This is Council for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome back to Council for Life. I'm Eliza. And I'm Beth. And we are so happy you're joining us. We love you guys so much. We're so thankful for our listeners. It has been so encouraging just to see how many people are listening. We've gotten um, messages from some of you, and we love hearing that. If you follow us on Instagram, you see our posts, and we try to interact with you there as well. But thank you guys so much for listening to us. And we hope that means we're hitting a need for you all, that you like what we're bringing to the table in these conversations, and you like who we're bringing to the table. And today, we actually are bringing another guest on for you. So today, I have the privilege of introducing you to Lindsay Carlson. She is a friend of mine. We met here in the uh, East eastern side of the U.S. She lives in the, the Maryland area. I live in Virginia, but she is a pastor's wife and she's a mother of five, which is going to really um, influence the conversation that we have today. But she's also a native Texan, so Beth is happy about that. <laughs> and uh, she is also a writer. And that's one of the things that we're going to share with you today is one of the books that she's written called Growing in Godliness. She also has another book coming out in June, which we're going to save to the end and maybe tell you about it right at the end. And, but so she's an author. She's written uh, for Crossway. And um, this book is called Growing in Godliness, A Teen Girl's Guide to Maturing in Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about not just teen girls, but just teens in general and how to disciple our teens. But before we do, Lindsay, I want to say welcome and just ask you just to share a little bit more about yourself, maybe your family or whatever you want with our listeners. Sounds good. So we, like you said, we're from Texas. So we had our first four kids when we lived in Texas. We have one girl. She's 17 now. And then we have four boys behind that. So if you're doing math, we had our last baby in Baltimore. He's the only baby that is not a Texan. So (laughs) we're a house divided. Um, But so currently our kiddos range from, well, even the youngest is about to have a birthday. So he'll be six. And so we range from six up to 17. So we uh, are a very loud household. We are a very busy household. And um, we are, um, because we're loud and busy, we need lots of space to move around. Um, so we, we like to do things outside. We love hiking. I know that you're an avid hiker. So that is what I've come to love about Maryland is the Mm -hmm. amazing hiking here. So Yep. It's very true. Although we also have the ticks to go with it, which aren't so amazing. <laughs> Ooh, I have. Yep. I, I think we actually found a tick in my son's hair the day we moved here. And I thought, yep. what have I gotten into? Exactly. So, thanks for that. Yeah. Same thing happened with us. We're, we're from California originally. Our family, all of our kids were born there. And it was maybe a week after we moved here that my daughter had a tick attached to her. And I was like, oh, this is awful. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we are going to talk today a little bit about this first book that you wrote. And, um, while it's written for teenage girls, for them to be able to grow in godliness, we also want to relate it to just teenagers in general, because I'm sure there are some listeners here who are raising kids. My guess is, uh, there's probably a lot of listeners here who have children in their home and whether they are teens or not, they will one day be. And my guess is also that you want them to walk with the Lord and to, um, embrace that for their own. There's there's definitely a, a season where we bring our kids to church and we teach them the scriptures and we memorize the scriptures with them, but we want them to embrace it on their own where they want to pursue those things themselves. And so um, as you as 
just having you here, I want to just kind of pick your brain a little bit. There's some questions that we have just to maybe help our listeners think through like raising teenagers and passing that baton of faith off to them. Um, but yet that's not always easy. So I guess I'll maybe just start with like, what advice would you give uh, to maybe even just speak to the teen for a minute? What advice would you give to the teen? Because sometimes I can help the parents when you think about speaking to the teen. Uh, what advice would you give to a teen who's struggling to study or understand the Bible? Because sometimes it can, let's just be honest, sometimes it can be a struggle even for the grownups, right? And so, absolutely, yeah. So any thoughts or advice on that? Yeah. So I would say to see your struggle as a gift. So I think sometimes as teenagers, we are inclined to think like my parents should have all this figured out and they should be providing all these things for me. And, um, and if I'm not getting it, it must be someone else's fault, right? Like it must be my parents' fault. It must be my youth group's fault. It must be my high school's fault. Um, because we don't want to bear the responsibility necessarily at any, at any age for fixing broken things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that when I look back on my own high school, um, days and I think about the struggles that I went through as a teenager, um, I mean, I remember sitting down at the Bible and thinking, I don't understand this. There are a lot of names in here. There are a lot of stories that I can't relate to one another and feeling completely inadequate and not wanting to admit that to anyone. So mm -hmm. I just thought, well, if I just study harder and I'm quiet about it, maybe no one will catch on to the fact that I'm spiritually immature. And really, like I look back on that season and think about what a gift it was, because in my in my situation, I think that insecurity created this drive to understand more. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily that I, you know, that I should have just been like fine with not understanding the Bible, but it was like, God put a hunger in me right. to know and to want to understand scripture in a way that I didn't. And so I think that being able to get past the like, oh, why isn't, you know, this avenue or this avenue or this avenue paying yeah. off and giving me all the answers that I think I need. It was an invitation from the Lord to press in and to know God for myself and to study scripture and to get to know his word and then to find mature godly people to put myself in their lives and to say, hey, teach me, help me. I want to yeah. grow. And so yeah. I think it's uh, the first thing is just not being afraid of, of immaturity and Im immaturity is not a bad thing. Babies are born with immaturity that they don't know how to walk or talk. They have to learn. Right. And yeah. Jesus had to grow in uh, when he lived we in this life on this earth. Right. Right. And so the fact that Jesus grew gives us the freedom to say we were made to grow and to be okay yeah. with the fact that we're developing maturity. I love how you basically turned the struggle into an encouragement. That's really cool. Like it's, here's the struggle, but actually let's kind of reframe that and say, actually that's pointing to something really good in you yet that you, you have, I love how you said, like I, you have a hunger, you have a desire yeah. for that. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. And I, I was, I just am thinking about as you relay your own experience, which I think is really helpful in just connecting the dots between I'm, I'm a real human person and I struggled too as a teenager. And now I'm, I'm writing to teenagers. I'm working with my own teenagers. But as you think about that growth in godliness, how, how do we know we're growing? Like as whether it was you as a teenager or as you're talking to teenagers, how do you encourage teenagers to that? Oh yes, there's, there's growth. How do we know? What are we looking for? Yeah. So um, actually living on the East Coast has actually helped a lot with this, actually, because 
in Texas, like we don't have seasons. You get that, right? Like, you know, random. (laughs) That is true. Well, yeah, today it's like 35 and tomorrow it's supposed to be 70. (laughs) Right. So it swings so fast back and forth. You never notice. So, I mean, you do notice, but in, on the East coast, like there's this whole season of winter where everything is dead. Like everything dries up, everything is dark and gray and it's disgusting and gross. And then all of a sudden spring starts to come around and you start to see these little green buds of new life everywhere. And I know that I love spring. I love that spring is coming and that means daffodils are going to be everywhere. And, you know, all of these fresh flowers are going to burst, but like the little tiny, tiny speck of green on, on a bud, when you have sat for months in the winter inside cooped up because it's so cold and there's nothing going on is so exciting because I know what it means. I know that new is coming. And I think that fruit is like that in our lives as Christians. We only want to celebrate, like in our human flesh, we only want to celebrate the big grand, like, look at me, I made a profession of faith. Yes, that's great. Look at me, I you know, conquered this huge milestone that I've been struggling with or whatever. That's great. It should be celebrated. But little tiny glimpses of new life should also be celebrated just as much. And so the new life that I try to to look for and celebrate is really just those little pinpoint points of green that are coming up through the dead that say, oh, there is new life there. Something is growing there. And the Lord is at work. And so what we're really talking about is spiritual fruit. So love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? Like, what are the things in a teenager's life that you are seeing new life come forward where there previously was death or dead and nothing? And I think that that kind of gives us a perspective that takes us out of the like, I'm waiting for my teen to have these major milestone breakthrough experiences and just going like, wow, did you notice how so-and-so really handled that conflict with patience? and gentleness. Like he didn't do that a week ago, a year ago, he was flying off the handle and screaming at everybody. Like we're noticing small little things and then calling them to grow forward. Right. in our kids. And that really helps us to, to see tangible things that um, are eternal rather than just celebrating things that are like, you know, Oh, Oh, you grew into the next, you know, shoe size or whatever. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that, too, because as a mom of teenagers myself, often I think uh, they're not, they don't notice those tiny buds of growth. Like, we get to Mm -hmm. notice that for them and say those things, and we get to notice things that are based on character and not just tasks or, like, things they did that were commendable, like, culturally appropriate activities, you know? But we were able to say, yeah, I I see that. It it looks like patience. That's what that looks like. And I know know my kiddos, they often are like, really? I didn't didn't know that's what that was. And so what a beautiful thing that we get to be the body of Christ inside of our families— as we encourage our our teens in those directions, that's really wonderful. And and also, Lindsay, as we think about, of course, Eliza and I are both counselors, and we think a lot about emotions and the inner world and the beliefs that we hold and things like that. So, as you, as a mom and as a writer, as you think about healthy ways for teenagers to continue to grow, how does emotion fit into that? I'm just curious, like cultivating good emotions, feelings, and and ha- like being present in the moment, things like that. Yeah, so that's an excellent question because I think that, you know, I, I admittedly was like a super emotional teenager. Like, I mean, everybody always says like, oh, girls are so dramatic. Girls are so, you know, whatever. I have one girl and she is not dramatic. 
and not crazy emotional. And everybody goes, oh, well, that's because you have four boys. No, I just think it's her personality. I just don't think that she is the same kind of person that I was when I was her age. Your mom was probably like, wait a minute. (laughs) Because you know how your parents are like, wait till you have kids and your daughter's completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Although, but I have boys who have my personality. Like, I mean, but there's definitely one of them that I would say, yep, uh, you are me as a teenager. And so like those emotions, it's so good to notice like, Emotions are meant to point us to something going on right inside our heart. And God has given those as a gift too. And so I think that sometimes Christians want to um, separate emotions from the truth that we see of scripture and to say like, well, this is the right way and this is the wrong way. And so if you have this emotion and it contradicts this biblical truth, then we need to ignore it or push it away not let it be a part of the conversation. So if I like don't have the faith to grasp something, then I'm going to say, be strong, be a, be courageous, like trust the Lord. What's the problem? Instead of saying, why, why are there those questions in your heart? Why do you lack the faith? Have you confessed that to God? Let's talk about that. Emotions are kind of the gatekeeper right? That help us to have those conversations with our kids about the things that make faith, faith. So if we are just kind of shutting our kids down every time that they have an emotion, because we're like, oh, that doesn't honor God. We're missing opportunities to connect with them in a way that's deeply, deeply meaningful. And so those are opportunities to kind of say, hey, let me walk with you and tell you how my emotions have led me to Jesus and to tangibly understand how the word is meant to feed my soul and has helped me. And so I think that if we we have to see those emotions as a good thing, even mm-hmm. when they make us feel a little bit out of control, because I think sometimes our children's emotions say a lot more about our hearts than they say about our children. I mean, it's mm. speaking to both of us, right? Like, so... I think in my own life, it's often been an opportunity to say, like, why is this jarring me so much that my kids Mm -hmm. have such big emotions? Like, maybe it's because I feel like it reflects on me as a mom, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm concerned about how I'm handling it. So I think emotions are incredibly helpful in in developing sanctification. Right. How the Lord grows us. Well, Ooh, I like you are, you are speaking our language, Lindsay. <laughs> you know what, Beth, I almost said that. <laughs> but the truth is, is that you are like, you're right up our alley here with that. But the, I really like what you say about the, um, the fact that like, we tend to classify them only as like, this is either good or bad, rather than seeing them as indicators, as things that point to something, ultimately that heart that we want so much as parents to be able to address, like, instead of seeing them as, oh, this is a bad emotion, I have to address the badness of it or whatever, uh, to instead say, what is this revealing? And goodness, why don't we just put ourselves in there with that? And what is it revealing in our own hearts as well? So that's so good. So encouraging to kind of have that reframe um, because it's hard. Let's just be honest. It's hard when your kids are having what we would maybe classify as negative, a negative emotional response. Like we if I'm just being honest, I just want it to stop. I just want change, you know, rather than actually pressing into it and saying, what is this indicating? What is this revealing? Uh, so thank you for that. Um, 
One other question that I had, and this kind of relates a little bit more to your book because the book is written in a way, and if you have teenage girls, get this book for them. It's going to be a tool that they, you know, even if they're not necessarily looking for something right then, but like let them have it on their shelf to thumb through or, or beside their bed or whatever, but even maybe even encourage them to read it with a friend or, or read it with them. Um, there is some really helpful, the way that you set it up, I really appreciated just with some of the, uh, the different, um, I guess making it practical where you, you talk, I think there's four things like ask, identify, write and pray. And those are like four ways that you can take the lesson that they're learning short little things that they can totally read on, you know, it's not too much for a teenager to read a little excerpt on, um, or a, I guess I don't even know if they're necessarily devotionals, but just a chapter on uh, reading about a specific uh, topic. So, you know, the first one is uh, live to grow and then you make them engage in it, which is so great. But uh, I think that's what we as parents need is, is that help to know how to encourage and cultivate spiritual growth in our kids' lives. And so this book is written for teens, but or for teen girls, but what would you say even just for teenagers in general, is there any other, um, besides get her book, is there any other way that you might encourage uh, parents to try to cultivate that spiritual growth in the lives of their children? Yeah. Um, something that came to mind as you were explaining it is just, I think the the um, urging our kids to slow down and think and to pay attention to their inner lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that we live in a culture where it's very normal to teach our kids like how to do your hair, or how to wear makeup or how to dress appropriately or whatever. Right. But like, mm-hmm. but we, not everyone puts a lot of thought and effort into teaching our kids how to have healthy thoughts and how to, you know, steward their emotions and their feelings. Right. And so I think that when, um, when as a parent, the greatest thing in my life is my relationship with Christ and my mm-hmm. understanding of the truth of God's word, then that should be the guiding force that I'm bringing to my kids every day, right? And that is going to look so different in different families and based on different abilities and gifts. However, my kids should know that about me. Like my kids should know mom's most important driving thing in her life is her pursuit of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if they really believe that about me and they see it in in the way that I live, that I'm overflowing with the joy of the spirit and I'm overflowing with gentleness and kindness. And that when I do snap at them or like, you know, act like a crazy person, that I come back and ask forgiveness because not, I not feel, if, but when right, I do. When, when I do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that I'm quick to re- to repent, right? I want them to see those things in regular life yeah. because I think it trains them to pay attention in the same way that parents are training our kids to pay attention to like, you should brush your teeth every morning when you wake up. You should wear shoes to school every day when you go to school. Like we should be training our kids. Like when you have a need, you should confess it to Jesus. When you sin against someone, you should ask forgiveness when you do this, like these should be things that are coming into their head and occurring to them because you've been narrating them for years. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I asked my daughter actually this morning before I hopped on this podcast, my 17 year olds, um, one of the questions, and I think it was this one that I said, I want you to tell me how you would answer this because I want to know that what I'm doing is actually what I'm saying I'm doing. I I don't want to be getting on a podcast and saying like, Oh, you should really be spending 15 minutes at the table every morning. You know, when I'm, that's not what we're doing. You know, we've done different things in different seasons, but what she said 
was exactly what I just shared with you is that we talk about it all the time. It's yeah. inner workings in her head. She knows how to think through hard things because we've talked about it and we've compared it to scripture. So I think just having this conversation to kind of keep our kids aware of inner life and spiritual life. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I do, oh, real quick, I do want to say like this, what you're saying reminds me of an article that I just read. It's on the Biblical Counseling Coalition website by one of our previous guests, uh, Brad Hambrick. And it's it's really just addressing what you're talking about, about how extraordinary parenting is in the ordinary. And that's really what you're saying. And I love that. You know, it doesn't, that way we don't feel like we have to be these super parents. We're just doing ordinary things with them and, you know, pointing them to Jesus along the way. So thank you for sharing that. And I just wanted to point out that, you know, as I as I read through the book, which I think is fabulous and so grateful for your hard work there, one of the things that I think is really helpful is even, you know, what you were just saying, I'm going to expound on it, that you're inviting teenagers to grapple with deeper things. Mm-hmm. And that is a shift from, you know, in elementary school, as we teach our children, we're really more just telling them, this is what it is. Like, this is what how you live. This is how you behave. This is how you walk in obedience. This is all the... And then as they become teenagers, sometimes I think as parents, we don't make that shift very well into like, this is your faith. This is your life. You're going to have to make this real for yourself. So you're going to need to ask big questions and you're going to need to have people around you that can help you with those questions and process those things with you. And you give opportunity in the book to do that. And you do it in a way that I think is so full of charity and compassion which I think is super important for teenagers because I know in my experience, and I, I had a great experience in discipleship in my church growing up, but but I also, you know, there was this kind of sense of this is what you do or else. And there was not a lot of if you don't, if you, if you have doubts, let's talk about it. Or like if you're struggling with this, let's just talk about it. Let's because that actually will lead you to greater intimacy to the Lord. I wasn't taught that. Yeah. I had to learn that on my own. And so you do a great job in this book. And so listeners, I'm I'm speaking this to you. This is why you need many reasons why you should pick up this book if you're a parent of a teenager or you work with teenagers in mm-hmm. the church setting or whatever. But I, I think one of the wonderful things about it is just that it comes it comes towards the humanity of a teenager and the limitations yeah. of a teenager. We recognize that you are still learning and growing, and there's no shame in that. And just be where you are and then move forward. And I love that because I know there's there are some materials out there that don't they don't take the time to do that work. And then it can be really easy to feel shamed, I think, mm-hmm. for our teenagers. So thank so you for that work. Word is the shame thing. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's his kindness that leads to repentance, right? So I mean, I think that trying to just as parents get in that posture of like, how do we want to be led? Gently yeah. or like sternly, you know? And I think that. Um, it, it does go so far with teens. Like when you can just be relatable, like you are a person who has understood hard things too. We are all right there with you. Yeah. So the book is called growing in godliness, a teen girl's guide to maturing in Christ or to, yeah, to maturing in Christ. And, um, that's not her only book. I want to just mention briefly her other book, which is going to be coming out in this summer, June or July, I can't remember which what you said, but it's called A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. So you guys can be looking for that as well. And we'll just let you maybe just say a word or two. Just tell us what that's about briefly as yeah, we kind I just, of start to wrap up. Sure. I, um, I just started noticing how many times women were feeling discouraged, but not wanting to admit that. Um, because I think that, again, we want to only have the shiny, pretty emotions And so when we feel discouraged, we just kind of hide it or try to fix it ourselves. 
And I think that when we try to fix it ourselves, we seek encouragement that isn't lasting. And so um, I wanted to write a book that talked about what is encouragement because the New Testament says we're supposed to encourage one another, but how do we encourage one another if our definitions of encouragement are all completely different? Um, So it's just, that's a little teaser, but it talks about biblical encouragement and the hope that we have in the gospel. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's hard work to write. It, it is. It's, it's, I think, harder than teaching because when you're teaching, you're in front of people and your words are not recorded for all posterity that maybe you'll regret later. Not that you're going to, but I think about that for myself <laughs> all the time. Um, so it's, it's hard work, and we thank you for that hard work. As we close out, Lindsay, we just want to ask you for a story of humanity. It can be anything, but you, d- you do a great job in your book of, of showing yourself as a human person, which I love. Teenagers need that. Um, but maybe you can do that on our podcast as well. Anything you want to yes. share with us? Yes. So, I mean, having just said that uh, my last book was about encouragement, right? Like, or the one I just finished. So this summer we were in Texas visiting my parents and um, I decided to be like the fun teenager, even though I just turned 40. And so uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to embrace my, like, I'm still young. I can still do fun things. And so I went down a water slide and sloshed up on the side of the water slide and slammed my shoulder blade into the water slide and broke my clavicle. Like, oh my goodness. And this was two weeks before my manuscript was due. And we're in Texas. So, like, I'm getting on an airplane, like, with, you know, the escort, like, hospital wheelchair, you know, to the airplane or whatever. (laughs) And then I get home and I'm supposed to be immobilized while finishing my manuscript, like, not typing, but, like, I can't because I have to turn in this thing. And then in the emergency room, I caught COVID. And so, um, and so then all of my family caught COVID. And so instead of all of them going back so I could finish the manuscript so they could all go back to school, we were all in like, you know, permanent closure pandemic mode in our house on lockdown for like the next month or something while I finished writing about encouragement. So, um, (laughs) so that just goes to show, yes, writing is hard, but also like writing about any subject, like the Lord will test you and teach you by real mechanisms that uh, that his encouragement was really the only thing that actually got me through it, and it was meaningful. But I can now look back on that and go like, man, yep, that, that was definitely a moment of humanity. Oh my gosh. A sweet period of humanity. I would say that the lesson is all of that, and then like water slides at 40 no. or beyond, just don't yeah. know. <laughs> nope. Not doing that anymore. But honestly, I mean, like it's a cooler injury than it's some true. other kinds of injuries, right? Like, Although it didn't look cool at the time. I'm it's sure, like, I'm cool sure. in your head because you don't have the video of it happening, but like my whole family does. So <laughs> they can verify wow. it not, not graceful. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in our 40s and, and beyond, it's like you could literally step off a curb and have a major injury. At least you were like doing something fun, but I understand there's still pain involved. Yeah. <laughs> they will yeah. probably always make fun of you, right? Like that'll be, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us. We're so grateful to have you with us. And I know our our get our our listeners are so grateful to be able to hear from you. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again after the new book comes out and we'll be able to chat about that a little bit as well. But we definitely encourage you listeners to check the show notes for information about Lindsay and about the book that she's written. And uh, thank you again for listening. We'll see you hear you hear from you and talk with you next week on another episode of Council for Life. Thanks for listening to Counsel for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, 
visit counselforlifepodcast.com.